I'd like to ask you to turn your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, if you would, chapter 7. We began Friday night in the book of 1 Peter, and we'll get there in just a moment. And we brought out what it is to taste grace. If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And we talked a little bit about what that means to taste grace. In order to taste it, you got to know what it is that is not grace. And we went over some things, and there may be some who felt like I was beating people up pretty hard with their own sin even. But oh, how it brought us back around to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and supplying Himself as our substitute. And then last night we looked at Last night we looked at the Stone of Stumbling. The title of last night's was Precious or Stone of Stumbling. And we looked at how the Word of God is precious to God's people. Grace is always precious to one who needs grace. But it's also a stumbling stone to those who don't need it. And once again, I, there may be some who felt like I was beating them up pretty hard again about their sin. This morning, I'd like to bring this series of messages from 1 Peter to an end, but we're going to start in Deuteronomy verse 7. And before I do that, I want to read some, a verse from Isaiah 49.16. Our Lord says, Behold, I have graven thee. I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Now, that word graven, first thing that pops into your mind is the Lord hanging on the cross and His palms having the spikes put through His palms. Isn't it? Isn't that kind of what went through your mind at first? That, that was what went through my mind. But you know that word graven? When you look at the base word of the original language, it goes so much deeper than that. Not only did the Lord graven our names in His hands, you see, this is the point of Jesus Christ going to the cross is for us. The point of Him laying down His life, the point of Him becoming a man and walking this earth and laying down His life, shedding His blood is for you and I. So much so that He is our names, the whole, not just our names, but our whole being. Who we are. What thoughts go through our minds. It's everything about us was engraven in the hands and the palms of our Lord and Savior. He says, I have graven, I have graven thee. God Himself has put our very being in the palms of His hands. He has not just carved names in, in His palms, but He has graven, He has inscribed you. He has inscribed all of His children. All for whom the Father hath given you. Everything about you is in the palms of His hands. Every detail, every hitch, every curve, every wrinkle. It's a personal thing. The word thee used there in that Scripture is more than just a name. That's why it is good, it's a good verse to describe His love for us. It means so much more. Our Savior thinks upon us. Is that not a wonder that God would think upon this sinner 
that time would tick by for this sinner, for you, the sinner? Yet when we stop and consider the depth of His love, we must look to the cross. The ultimate description of love. He gave Himself a perfect sacrifice for His own. He took what we deserved. He was made sin that we would be made righteous in Him. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we have. A wonderful Savior indeed, what we sing. You may remember me mentioning unmerited favor. That's grace. It's called distinguishing grace. You can't earn it. You must be, it must be a gift. It must be given. You can't mix it. Folks, there are those who want to try to mix grace with works. They're diluting the power of God by saying you've got to do something. You got to, you got to, you got to be better now. You got to, you got to get better. Yeah, you quit smoking, but you got to do this too. Yeah, you did this, but now you got to do that over there. It's called works. No matter how you look at it, it's called works. And Scriptures is very clear. Works and grace don't mix. If it's of works, then it can't be of any more grace. It must be a gift given for no other reason than because it pleased the giver to give it. That's distinguishing grace. I choose, says the Lord, to have grace here. I choose to have grace here. Isn't that what He says when He says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy? Isn't that the same thing? Didn't that mean the same thing? That, you know, you're not going to tell me I have to be merciful to you. I'll have mercy on whom I will. The word distinguishing... It means to separate. It means to make a difference between two, two kinds, two types, two persons. We distinguish between two. One is this and the other is that. We may not find this word distinguishing in the Scriptures, but the meaning of it is found throughout the books. God had respect for Abel's offering and He had no respect for Cain's. Cain brought him an offering with his hands. Abel brought him an offering that pictured the Lord Jesus. The blood of the Lamb slain for His people. Jeremiah 24.5 We read these words, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. The Lord sent His own people out into the Chaldeans, out into those, into the world of, of idol worshipers for their good. Does it not say in Romans 8.28 that all things are for our good? Do we believe God's Word or don't we? I know that's a hard thing to think of. Especially if, somebody, if the Lord's taken one of your loved ones from you. He sent them out for their own good. 
And it says in verse 6, For I will set mine eyes upon them for good, and I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them and not pull them down, and I will plant them and not pluck them up, and I will give them an heart to know me that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people. And I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. Are you with me in Deuteronomy chapter 7? Look at verses 6 through 8. Deuteronomy chapter 7, beginning at verse 6. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee. There's that word thee again. The personal noun, pronoun thee, you, the one he knows intimately. chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did set his love upon you, did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because, we're talking about distinguishing grace, folks, because you were more in number than any other people than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of the bondmen from the hand of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. The God of all creation distinguishes between the world and those he calls my people, my elect. He says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. How can that be? How can He be talking about me? He calls me a holy people before the Lord. How can He be talking about me? Oh. How can He be talking about one who has sinned every moment of every day since the day I have come into this world and that includes today. You wouldn't think a minister would be sinful, would you? But yeah. I see my sin more than I ever... It's ever before me. I got out of bed this morning and I doubted my Lord. That's enough sin to deserve hell right there. To doubt my Lord of who He is. To doubt who He is. Lord of time. Lord of ticking. How can He call us holy? Distinguishing grace. That's how. Grace given to us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord of all creation, has chosen to be gracious to some. Romans 9.18, we read it this way, Therefore hath He mercy on whom He will have mercy, and whom He will, He hardeneth. Now if you would, please turn over to the New Testament to the book of John chapter 10. Our great God distinguishes between those that were given to Him by the Father before anything was ever created 
before anything else had come to be and in all the rest of creation. In John chapter 17, verse 9, we'll re- we read these words in, the, in our Lord's priestly prayer. He says, I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou hast given Me. For they are Thine, and all Mine are Thine, and Thine are Mine, and I am glorified in them. We whose names are written in the book of life, we whose names are inscribed, graven in the palms of our Lord, have been made holy by our substitute, by our blood sacrifice, by our blessed Redeemer, the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world as it is known in Revelation. His name is Jesus, for He shall save His people. Malachi verses one, uh, verses 2 Chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, we read these words, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, In wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord, yet I loved Jacob? And I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage a waste for the dragons of the wilderness? You may say, well, how can that be? How can that be? How could God love one and not another? This is the stumbling stone that we were talking about last night. How can God love this one and not love that one if we're all in the same boat? The real question is this, is how can God love any of them? How can God love this one who stands before you? My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's how. And only through Him. Distinguishing grace. His blood was shed for each and every one of His children. Blood-bought children. God-given children. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, He says. Why? Because His blood paid for their sins. His blood covered their sins. Just as the Lord God covered the sins of Adam and Eve in the garden with the blood, with the skins of an animal, shedding blood. Their own works, trying to cover their own nakedness with leaves, did not work. It was worthless. They were still naked before God. To say that God loves everyone and is wanting them to love Him back is to call the perfect Creator, God Almighty, weak and worthless. It's to take the blood of Christ and step on it as though it was worthless. To say that someone could go to hell for their sins and that Christ paid for those sins is to saying Christ's payment was worthless. I tell you this, the God of Scripture is able. He is the very meaning of strength. He is victorious in everything that He desires. He cannot fail. This is our only hope. The Son of the living God has saved His people to the uttermost, as it says in Scripture. That means everything. There's not one little thing left. He paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but He washed it white as snow. All of our sins have been put away as far as the east is from the west. 
because of His perfect sacrifice. And He remembers our sins no more. Isn't that what Scripture says? He puts it away. He, doesn't, he, can't, he can't even look upon it. Christ has paid for it. Washed it all away. You and I may see our sins as we walk through this valley of death, but it's no more than a shadow. The Lord's covered it. God does not see our sins anymore. He sees the blood shed at Calvary. He sees the death of His only begotten Son. And He says, I am satisfied. Justice has been served. That's how we read in the Old Testament, by His stripes we are healed. The idea that we've come to believe these truths is because of His distinguishing grace. To believe is to have faith. We believe because He has given us the gift of faith, but not all have been given that faith. And this is where grace shines because we don't deserve to have been given that gift. That gift isn't anything that we can deserve, anything that we can earn. God has just given it to us because He loves us. Look here at John chapter 10 with me if you would. Verse 24. Beginning at verse 24, Then came the Jews round about Him and said unto Him, How long dost Thou make us to doubt? If Thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered and He says, I told you and you believed not. Folks, God, God wasn't beating around the bush. Oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm God Almighty in the flesh. Maybe I'm not. No, He was point blank with it. Look down there in verse 30. I and My Father are one. How often does the Lord Jesus say, I am, in Scriptures? Many, over and over, many times. He was not bashful about declaring who He was and what He was there for. How long do you make us to doubt? I have told you, says the Lord, and ye believe not the works that I do, the very miracles that I do, that no other man can do, prove who I am. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not my, of my sheep. Those who are not God's sheep will not believe His Word. I hope, I hope and pray that you're hearing these words this morning and you're saying, I know what I am. But God has has revealed a truth to me that reaches down and grabs a hold of this poor sinful soul. I believe Him. I believe His Word. I believe in the Lord teaches in His Word my total depravity. I, need, I believe the Lord is teaching in His Word that His election, His distinguishing grace is unconditional of me. believe that the calling that Christ has for His people is a call with power. The power of God. Not just some man, but the power of God that says, Lazarus, come forth. Mike, come forth. Each and every one of us have been called by the power of God and will come according to His Word. 
there's not going to be any empty seats. Everyone for whom He died on the cross shall be saved. Only the people of Israel were given the oracles of God. Isn't that correct? Only Israel had the prophets. Isn't that correct? Many claim that they know the Lord, yet they deny His power in so much that they do and so much that they add to that claim. But here comes some great news, folks. Here comes some news to poor sinners that just light us up because we know it's by grace and by grace alone. Look at verse. Look at the other half of verse 26. As I said unto you, See, I told you, he's not bashful. As I said unto you, my sheep, my people, those for whom I will die for, those for whom are called by me, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man Pluck them out of my hand. For my Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them from my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. God, by His distinguishing grace, He calls His sheep by name. Is that not the picture that we see in Lazarus when the Lord said, Come forth? I've titled this morning's message this The People of God. So we've seen how the Lord sends His grace into the hearts of His people and we taste it. We experience it. And in doing so, we find, we saw like last night that that taste, that taste of His grace is solid and cannot be moved. It's the rock of our salvation. And it becomes precious to us. His Word burns in the hearts of God's people saying, I want to hear more of this grace. I want to hear more about what my Lord has done for me. I want to hear more about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because that's what I need. That's what I need to get through the day. Grace. And more grace. Look over at First Peter now, if you would. First Peter, chapter two. And we left off last night at verse eight. So let's pick up this morning at verse nine. But ye. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye, those lively, those lively stones, those ones whose the gospel is precious to, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Which in a time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. 
who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Folks, we come into this world acting like goats. We walk as goats. We ate as goats and we lived as goats, but we were never, ever goats. We have always been sheep. God's sheep. We just didn't know it. It wasn't until the day of His love when He comes to us when we were yet dead and trespasses in sin and says, live to the dead to us. In verse 27 of John 10, we just read this, He says, I know them. That word know means intimate. It's like a husband and wife. Isn't that why we see the picture of Christ and His bride? We are the bride of Christ. He knows us personally. Someday when you have a moment, and I realize that it's full of symbolism and and maybe a little bit difficult to understand, but if you picture yourself, and I know for you guys this may be a little hard, it was for me too, but if you picture yourself as the bride of Christ and you read the Song of Solomon, He's talking about your beauty in His eyes. What is beautiful about John that God could look on and say, oh, what beauty He sees in me. My Savior. His Son. There's coming a day, folks, when this body of flesh, this body of death, is going to go back to the dust where it belongs. And the Lord's going to give me a brand new glorious body and I'm going to spend eternity praising my Savior. <laughs> praising my Lord for His grace and His mercy. And every single one of you for whom He shed His blood will be doing the exact same thing. He says, I know them. Their names are engraved in His palm. This is the very thing that I was talking about in my opening statement. God knows us personally. He knows us in a personal way. Yes, He is omniscient. He knows everything about everybody and everything about this. But this no, this no that we're looking at in, in John chapter 10 is to know them intimately. I ask you this. No. Paul asks you this. He says, If God be for you, who can stand against you? You know the devil's going to stand there and say, Wait a minute! What about what that? What about this? What that person did? What about this? What about that? There's going to be people that are going to go to hell and they're going to be, Well, wait a minute! Wait a minute! Didn't I? Didn't I do this? There's going to be accusers. But when Jesus Christ does something, He does it perfectly. And His blood was perfectly shed for everything that you could charge us with. Can anything separate the sheep of God from the love that is in His Son, Christ Jesus? Can you separate yourself from His love? See, the folks, the news of the gospel of Christ and Him crucified just keeps getting better and better in every word. 
as we see the sin that is in this flesh, we see the grace of our Lord and His love for us in paying for that sin. Taking it upon Himself. God dying. Sacrificing Himself for us. What love? Can you explain that? I can't. But God's Word declares it and it sure feels good to know it. When you separate yourself from love to say that you can is to say that you have power over God. You make yourself out to be God's. This is what those who teach free will are doing. They're declaring that their will has the power. The power to thwart the hand of God. And folks, it's just not so. Who can separate the sheep of God from His love that's in Christ Jesus? People who go through that door mark death and don't believe the salvation is only by the sovereign power of God's grace are not His sheep. Did we not just read in verse 29 of John chapter 10, He says, My Father gave them to Me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. Isn't that what we just read? Folks, when Christ went to the cross, the blood of the Almighty God was shed. The perfect blood of Christ was has accomplished its purpose. That's why our Savior cried out, It is finished. It's done. Salvation of My people is complete. There's nothing for them to do. Come. Take My yoke upon you. You who are weary, trying to earn your way into heaven, put it aside. Rest in Christ, for He's done it all. That's why our Savior cried out, it is finished. Redemption for the sheep is complete. The work is done. What is there left to do? Rest. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Graze in green pastures. Sit by the river that flows by. You know what that is? That's the Gospel. Water. The beautiful water of the river. Flowing right on by us. Oh, Walk along the still waters. We read the 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Folks, we're talking about the people of God. Those who have had grace shined in their hearts. Those who have seen the light of Jesus because He has shined it in their hearts. He says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for Thou art with me, Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. <laughs> Nothing in this is going to give me any comfort. If you're looking to anything inside of you for comfort, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if you look to Christ, you know there is nowhere in Scripture that I have any understanding of that, and if you find one, then you please show it to me. But me and several other ministers have looked, and we can't find it, but there's no place in Scriptures where we see somebody who came to Christ was actually turned away. Oh, now some say, you know, wait about, what about that woman that uh, came up from the coast of of Tyre. Didn't he turn her away? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. 
He hesitated to bring her out to show her that she needed the crumbs of the, of the table of the Lord. And then He said, Go thy way, thy faith has healed thy daughter. Our great shepherd is watching over us right this very moment. He is guiding us into His good works. That's what we read in Romans 8.28, for we know that all things work together for the good to them and love God to them who are called according to His purpose for whom He did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified, and whom He justified, them He also glorified. Didn't we read in John 17, and Lord, I will be glorified in them, and they will be glorified in Me? What shall we say then to these things? <laughs> what shall you say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? He gave His Son, not so that some might be saved, but that some would be saved. Folks, as you hear me say often, there will be no empty seats in heaven. All for whom the Father giveth Him shall come to Him, and those who come to Him shall in no wise be cast out. That's God's Word, and that's His promise. And if God has said it, shall it not come to pass? In John 10.27, again, we read these words, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father which gave them Me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father, out of my hand. I and my Father are one. Our subject this morning is distinguishing grace, the people of God, the difference between one from another. Look over at John chapter ten again, if you would. Go back to John chapter ten for just a moment, and we'll bring this to an end. Look at verse 31. After telling these folks, after telling these folks that our Lord has mercy on whom He will have mercy. And that's basically the exact same thing that He's saying here. You believe not because you're not My sheep. My sheep hear My voice. That's the same thing. Look what happens. 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone Him. They don't like that. How dare you choose between one of us instead of choosing us all? They took up stones to stone Him again. In verse 32, we read these words, Then Jesus said, Many good works have I showed you from My Father. Of which of these works do ye stone Me? And the Jews answered Him and said, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because, thou, because that thou being a man makest thyself God. See, I told you. They understood exactly what he was saying. There was no reason. You can't give an excuse. Well, they didn't know what he was meaning. They knew exactly what he was meaning. And they wanted to kill him for it. 
And you and I would have been right there with Him if it weren't for the distinguishing grace of our Savior. In John chapter 8, verse 47, we read these words, He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Our text in verse in our debt our text in verse twenty four of John ten says this How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, He says, I did tell you. I told you and you believe not. First Corinthians four verse seven, who maketh thee to differ? Distinguishing grace. Grace for the people of God, those who He has loved from before the world was. Our great God distinguishes between His people and the rest of the world. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. It's so amazing to God's people that He would have grace on us because we're just as bad as Jacob was. Why would God love me? Because of His distinguishing grace. It's amazing. It's amazing grace that He would be merciful to any, especially to me, a sinner condemned unclean. Yet by His grace, I am made clean. Made clean through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I'd like to change our closing hymn this morning.